I bet you Ben is at like four. That's how good he could be. Yeah. That's scary, bro. Yeah. Today's conversation is with Chris Johnson. Chris is an elite basketball skills trainer based out of LA. He works with many NBA players like Devin Booker, Jimmy Butler, and Ben Simmons. We talk about being a master trainer, mindset, and training Ben. Appreciate you taking the time, Chris. Um, I know you're a busy man, even though we're in this uh, lockdown. Right, yeah, it's been crazy. And even in the lockdown, we're still working online. Um, with my, I got my brand Just Hoop, as you can see here. And, you know, it's just a hoop culture. And uh, we're inside quarantine with Zoom and Zoom meetings and uh, doing Zoom clinics. So for the people in Australia, you know, we could set up a Zoom clinic for the coaches uh, to develop them while uh, we're being quarantined and locked down. So that could be pretty exciting for Australia. Yeah, for sure. Um, where are you at right now? How's, how's the lockdown going with you and the fam? Yeah, I'm in L.A., so I'm based in L.A. Uh, right now, it's about 80 degrees outside. I'm looking out. It's, it's beautiful. And, um, you know, it, it's, tempt, it's tempting to be like, be outside, go to the beach, you know, go do things outside, run, hike, you know, even go to the gym. It's so tempting, but you have to be very cautious and very aware of what we're trying to do during this pandemic. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think most people in Australia are familiar uh, with you uh, in terms of Ben Simmons and, and helping him out over the summer. Um, but really what I want to dive into is uh, your story. It's uh, getting to that premier level in, uh, as an NBA trainer is, is yeah. something people really want to do. Um, where did it all start for you? Well, um, to be honest with you, I started in the coaching game. So I'm going to fast forward through my playing days, planning college. Once I'm done, I'm like, okay, I knew when I was like 10 years old that I wanted to be within the game. And I didn't know where I would impact the game. I thought it was only through coaching. So uh, when I finished up and I began my coaching career, uh, I went back to college and I became a graduate assistant coach, which in college is where you're a student but you're an, a graduate coach. So I, I was getting my master's degree in counseling. So I did my master's. I completed it. I coached another year as an assistant and decided that the development of the players coming in at the division one level was still not where it should be. And development has always been critical to me because I feel like no matter where you are in life, that if you, really develop the proper way, right? Right, uh, The proper way and you get the right coaching that you can uh, increase your skill set, you can become a better player. So I went to high school as a high school coach and top AAU coach. Uh, and through being a high school coach, I was coach of the year. Um, I was coach of the year seven years in a row. Uh, my coaching record was phenomenal and I was producing players uh, division one and to pros that would be considered not to be really good basketball players. So I built my system, not around what I wanted to do offensively, but around the development of players that really wanted to become basketball players. Obviously you have to have some athleticism. You have to have some pieces there, but I learned how to take guys that were 
not very good and make them very good. And through that process, I began to go work with John Lucas, uh, with his NBA guys in, in the city of Houston, Texas. And we began to work with pros. Um, I, I was developing pros. I was developing college players and high school players, middle school players, all the way down to elementary all at one time. And I did this for about an eight-year, nine-year spat where I'm coaching player development, private training all at once. So I was training like 18 hours a day. Okay. And that's a long time, you know, to be at the top of your crab dealing with them. From there, um, I decided to go into my private practice and just focus strictly on the pros. And in that, I learned how important being a great teacher is to help develop the individual player. No matter what level the player's on, he has to have a master teacher that can give him the knowledge that can demonstrate for him and correct him when it's not properly done correct. So I took a job with the Houston Rockets uh, as a player development coach. Um, I coached in the G League. So along this journey to where I am now, I coached at every level. So from the youth, the middle youth, the high schoolers, the, the college players, the G League players, NBA players. So to become an elite master teacher, you have to go through the proper uh, channels to do it. You can't just pop up with all of this knowledge and your ability to be in the gym with such as guys like Ben Simmons or the other players that I trained that are like top NBA players in the world. So it's been a long trip. I've been doing this now 17 years. Um, and finally, you know, I went back to the private practice. I left the NBA, went back into the private uh, 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 specter and went back into my company of player development and moved it out to California. And I've been dealing with the top players, uh, developing players from every country, China, Europe, Australia, United States, Japan, you name it. They come in to see me. And I pride myself on being a great teacher. So that's kind of my story, like in a nutshell, without getting too much details. But a lot of people don't understand that I have a bachelor's degree. I have a master's degree. I was going to ask about the uh, thesis you wrote. Uh, do you want to talk, talk to us about that a little? Yeah, I wrote my, my thesis for my master's degree was wrote over the emotional intelligence of minority student athletes. And the reason why I chose that topic, because playing basketball and being around players, I, I tend to see players very emotional and they tend to blame other people, blame their coaches, blame their parents. They tend to blame people for things that are going on the court that's truly all in their control. And, you know, the one thing that I learned is emotions can change from second to second. You know, you could be right now, you could be extremely happy. Your phone can ring. You can get bad news. And you could be extremely sad. I mean, just like that. So the key to emotional intelligence is to allow you to see the roller coaster and to choose not to get on the roller coaster. The consistency of your emotional intelligence is really important. Yeah, for sure. 
And uh, you mentioned that, you know, you made yourself or, or worked your way up the rankings, uh, working at every level. Um, you know, when you first started working in the private sector with MBA guys, um, you know, did you charge them? Um, um, how did it all work out in terms of, of finances? Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. I charge them. I, I, be, I believe that everything that you do is, is, it shows your value. Now, the better that you get, the more value you have, right? So when I first got into the independent spectrum, remember, I was coaching at like three different levels. So money has always been obsolete for me. Money is the end result of the work that you put in. I already know I'm a super intelligent. I have degrees. So making money and being financially fit is always going to be in my vocabulary. It's not like, you know, I'm hustling or anything like that. Everything is going to be structured, business, detail. So me being a high school coach, I had a salary of about $69,000 a year just with my coaching salary for high school. Then I ran camps that I accumulated a pretty good lump sum during the summertime of my camps. Then I trained my college guys and then I trained my pro guys. So I never had to, I, what I would consider overcharge players because I always have avenues of income. So when I look back at it, I was able to support myself in certain ways because I was willing to work and to really finance my own my own dreams if that yeah, makes sense sure. um yeah you know i i remember reading an article of you and jimmy butler i think it's like 2016 where you were his uh go-to guy how did that come about uh what was it like being the personal trainer of one guy as opposed to you know a private trainer for multiple guys okay so with jimmy Jimmy was like, I've already at that point had so many guys I trained in the pros. You know, at the point where Jimmy was in his career, he was into going into a second year of his career. I actually trained Jimmy for six, almost seven years. Um, and I redefined his career uh, with the hard work and determination that he had. He was a really good student. Uh, he was extremely focused. And even when my focus was my focus point was Jimmy, I still had other athletes and I still had other people that I was developing and training along the way. But it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun working with Jimmy and Jimmy had a work ethic that allowed for me to really showcase uh, the knowledge that I had of the game because you know, some people don't have that work ethic. A lot of players don't have that work ethic. And no matter how good the developer is, if you don't have a person that has the knowledge, the skill set, and to be able to have like pieces of the puzzle, you can't just put it together. Yeah, for sure. And um, what are your thoughts on doubling down on weaknesses um, and then slightly building your strengths or just focusing straight on your strengths? Well, it, first of all, it depends on your age, right? So, we, you know, when it, it depends on your age. Um, like if you're a younger player, you could double down on your weaknesses. You got more time. You get more development time. You get more time in games. You know, you get more. If you're a professional player 
or if you're a player that's trying to get in colleges, you you don't want to double down more on your weaknesses. By the time you get to high school, you're in your latter years of high school, you're kind of who you are. Now, you can get better in small details, but you really have to have the mindset to become really great. So, like, if I'm a pro, I'm going to focus on two things to really improve that offseason. And I'm going to continue to build on what I've done. So, like, a guy like Michael Jordan last night, we was watching his documentary, Michael Jordan could get better in a week. See, that's a difference. That's a big difference. Some players, it may take them four months to pick up what you're trying to teach them. It took a guy like Michael Jordan a week. So if you got a player that could pick up something quickly and rapidly, then you could double down on weaknesses and areas that you can improve in. But if you have a player that's slow to pick up things and he, it takes him a long time to grasp it, then you got to limit what you give him and let him master what he has. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then, like, guys in the league, you talk about work ethic. Um, you know, do you notice guys when they get into the league um, after year one, after year two, um, they fall out of love with the game because it just becomes a business and you're focusing on their mind more than what they are doing skills-wise? I, yeah, it could be a number of things. I, I've seen it. I've seen guys come into the league, you know, very hungry, not just the NBA, into the Australian league, into China, into Europe. You know, they may get their big payday or it could just be something that stole their passion. You know, that, that happened to all of us because we're human, right? You know, when you face adversity, you know, you may become codependent on something, alcohol. It could be codependent on, you know, anything. And instead of you putting your energy in a place that you really can benefit from, you put your energy into, you know, crushing what you're really good at. It's really self-sabotage, which we all do as human beings. So I think it depends on the individual. It depends on what adversity they're facing and how they choose to overcome it. And what I do, and this is for all the Australian players out there, you know, I'm very good at helping players find their love for the game again if they were on the fence. And I'm very good at helping them uh, fall in love with the work and with the process. And if you can get people to fall in love with the process and the work, you're going to be head over heels better than the next pro because you you know some pros don't work as hard as others yeah makes sense but you know uh you can love the game so much and you know you're happy with the money that's coming through obviously it's changing your life it's changing your family's life but you know there's distractions out there with uh you know it may be coaching teammates you're not going to get along well with everyone on your team um it may be people you know just trying to chase you you know trying to get some money out of you um, um, how do you get you guys to focus and really lock in on the game, um, on the processes, so then they can really make a name for themselves on the court, off the court? Well, you know, that goes back into having daily routines, right? So in your daily routine, you have to set aside what, what time are you going to get up and work out? What time is my team workout? You know, what time is my lifting? 
my conditioning. Okay, in between this time, I'm going to have a business meeting with my business team. If this is my parents, my sister, my brother, my friends, and I want to take care of them, these are the people that I'm taking care of and helping them facilitate their dreams. Then here's my business partner. So you start to break everything down into a puzzle and you structure yourself into a routine that you get on the phone and you do interviews like this. You get on the phone, you do interviews, you're talking to brand partners, you're talking to marketing people. But in between all of that, the most important thing for you to be able to have that is for you to stay sharp at your skill set and your game. So you have to plan. When do you work out? When is your time for you? So and then if, if someone's taking from you and not giving into you, you have to eliminate them from your life. And then you can slowly bring them back or you got to reposition them into your life. So if it's somebody that just want to hang out, go to clubs, go see the girls, kick it, you know, it's a time and place for that. It, 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 we're human. Like it's time and place to go on vacation and hang out. But when you're doing a season and you're trying to win a championship and you're trying to be a part of something great and you're really trying to, to put your mark on the game, you have to give up some things. So you have to give up the good to become great. Yeah. And um, so when the NBA season finishes, um, guys take some, you know, a week, two weeks off and then they, they, uh, they come to you and they get the work in and, and that's where everyone's seen Ben and the summer runs and, and you work in with him exclusively. Um, how did that relationship uh, with Ben, you know, form? Oh, it was great. I mean, the relationship with Ben uh, happened organically. It was, it was organic. Um, and I was excited. Ben was a player that, you know, I targeted that I really wanted to work with because I feel like at his age, uh, with his size, with his speed, with his power, with the way I see the game and I teach the game, I could see him being, you know, a legendary player in the NBA. So now where I'm at in my career, I could target the players that I feel like I know that really deserves what I'm trying to give them. And so I don't just work with anybody. I want to work with players that have the potential of being great. And I want to push them to that level. Ben was excellent this summer. Ben worked out two times a day. Remember I was telling you about the schedule. He worked out in the morning. He worked out at night. And he lifted weights, did conditioning during the day. So he had three workouts a day. On the days that we would have pickup, he would do four, four workouts a day. He did that six days a week. Six days a week. Yeah. And so that's why he's performing. He improved. He got better. You know, he improved every aspect of his game. Footwork, ball handling, movements, shooting. And, you know, Ben can really shoot the ball. And, and this year he knocked down a couple of threes, you know, and one of his strengths is being able to beat you off the bounce. So we don't want to take away from the strength of a player. When you're talking about doubling down on weaknesses and things like that, uh, you know, so I'm looking forward to this offseason with Ben because this offseason is really going to push him even closer to being – the player that he potentially could be. You know, his mark is probably, if we're looking at a scale of like 10, 
I bet you Ben is at like four. That's how good he could be. Yeah. That's scary, bro. Yeah. That's that's scary. And he got a great family, a great Australian family. Uh, his father did an amazing job with the development of him, his brothers, his sisters. So they have a, an amazing family that they all play very critical roles. And him being Australian, and I'm learning this, is, you know, Australian people are raised a little different. The basketball culture is a lot different. You know, a lot of people have to wait their turn over there. You you probably know what I'm talking about. Yes, these are things that these are things that I've learned. And you know, being not being an American, he didn't grow up like a, a lot of American basketball players. So he sees the game totally different than a lot of American basketball players would see the game. So he's super unique. He's the best player ever come to Australia, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna make Australia really proud of him. Yeah, and uh, like for him. You see so many people write negative about, you know, this guy's, you know, Max guy, this guy's, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, number one, number two draft pick. Um, you know, he should. Be number one. Number one. Overall. I stand corrected. <laughs> uh, you know, people are writing, you know, uh, you know, negative things about, hey, why is this guy in the league, you know, when he doesn't have a jumper or whatever. Um, how much of of this is mental for guys that come through the door like that where you know there's just a specific thing that you're trying to help him out on well it, it you know when you like last night i'm watching a michael jordan series right michael jordan is arguably the best player to ever play basketball right the one thing that i learned from the documentary was that even though he was the best player to ever play the game he faced adversity. He faced criticism. He faced people saying what he couldn't do. In the documentary, there were three people that said, this is not a guard's game. It's a big man game. And another guy says, he can't carry a team. Guards don't carry teams. So imagine, you know, Ben is 23. And why would I even read or even pay attention to what critics say when even the best player of the game has been criticized, if that makes sense. Yeah. Ben's going to develop at his own rate, at his pace, and even where he is today, he's still one of the best players from that's, 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 that's not from our country. When you look at the outside players from you know the world, he's like number one or two. He's right there with Giannis in what he does. So he deserves everything he gets. That's how the league is. He's still super dominant. And if he wasn't dominant, people wouldn't even talk about him. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that's, that's how I look at it. You know, I learned that last night. I was like, wow, Michael Jordan being the best player in the world was criticized. Oh, he can't do this. Okay, I'm going to show you this. Oh, he can't do that. Now, remember, Michael Jordan played three years of college. Ben only played one. Ben is 23. Mike probably came in the league at 22, 23. Yeah. You see, you see what I'm saying? So everybody has their own unique journey and everybody has to have their own room to grow. And then he has to be able to deal with the adversity of what critics would say, which a lot of the critics never even played 
high school basketball nevertheless pick up. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I totally agree. It's, uh, you got to put context behind whatever people say and really understand it before you even accept it as, as an opinion you value or not. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, uh, where people first saw Ben's improvement and, and your work with him was in the uh, team runs or whatever you want to call them, the pickup. Yeah, the summer runs. runs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you find about them and, and why do you do those runs in a competitive environment um, with your guys? I think it's very important. I think playing is underrated. So, you know, it's one thing to play in a structured environment, right? Where you got a coach, you got coaches, you got them telling you, you got to do this or don't do that, don't do this. And still the players that are in the NBA don't play enough. So the way you get a feel for the game and the way you work on things that you're actually training is you have to actually play. So you have to go out and you have to compete against other players to see what you're working on to see if it works. I think that's the most critical point of development and is one is one of the most important things of development that a lot of skill trainers are missing is to be able to put their players in competitive situations. When you learn how to compete, and you learn how to make that move that you've been working on full speed against a guy that's in front of you, you're able to use that move the next year, you know, or movement. You get the right read. You get to make the adjustment of the body. You know, it's a lot of things that are, are really critical when it comes to playing. And that's one of the reasons why I structured the summer run. The summer run is structured so that we could take what we're working on into a competitive environment to see what works and what don't work. Yeah. And obviously we're in a lockdown right now. Uh, we don't know when, when things will resume. Um, how do you think that'll impact, you know, uh, the NBA season, your overseas guys and just people, um, you know, keeping their game at an elite level? Well, I think it's unique. Uh, several ways is unique. Um, you know, when, when, when things resume, there's going to be a lot of fresh bodies. There's going to be some guys out of shape. <laughs> there's going to be some guys in shape. And no matter how hard you train, if you don't play, you're not going to be in playing shape. You know, playing shape is totally different than just training. You know, lifting weights, working on your skills. I think also it's going to be some guys that really missed the game. I think it's going to really impact them mentally after watching. We're going to watch this whole Jordan series. They're going to see what relentless look like. Um, I think mentally they're going to show an appreciation for something that was taken away from them with, and we can't do anything about it. No amount of money can do anything about it. We got to wait just like everybody else. So, you know, the basketball players are human beings also. So I think the impact is going to have a positive impact on the game. Um, you know, just we would just everybody just be excited just to get back to playing. But I think it's going to be a really good positive impact on it because it's going to make us appreciate what we probably take for granted all the time. And do you think it'll impact this incoming draft class at all? Oh, <laughs> of course. So normally we have the NBA. I have all of the NBA draft guys with me. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we can figure out if we can start working on the draft process. You know, the draft is not until June. And I think they need to move it back to August 
and allow those guys to get evaluated and work on their game and go through the draft process. Because as an organization, I don't want to draft a player and don't have a true evaluation on it. There's so many different valuations that go on um, during these months of pre-draft. So I think this is the, probably more critical for the, for the guys that are coming into the draft than the guys that are already in the league. Because it's like an in-between. When is the draft? When do I work out? I still got to perform. So imagine I'm out of shape and I got to go perform for a team. That performance can impact if they're going to draft me or not. So if I'm a, if I'm a draft guy that's going into the draft, man, I got to figure out how to get outside and run. I got to figure out how to get outside and stay in the best conditioning shape. I got to figure out how to go shoot a thousand shots on a portable goal. Like I can't have no excuses. I actually can't have no days off. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on uh, speaking of the draft? Your thoughts on uh, players foregoing college and and going to leagues like the NBL, like uh, Lamelo Ball did. Uh, what are your thoughts on going professional versus staying in the college system? I like it. I mean, you know, at 18, you can go into the workforce. You know, you go into the workforce at 16, actually 15 or 16, and you can go into the military at 18. You could be drafted in baseball. You could be a professional golf player, professional tennis player. You could be all of these sports at a young age, except in the United States when it comes to basketball and football. And I think, you know, it's good that guys are willing to trailblaze their own path. You know, LaMelo is willing to take a risk. And a lot of times risk takers are the most successful people in the world. If, if he just abide by the traditional pathway to playing basketball, then he wouldn't be himself. So I highly encourage kids to follow their dream, but they have to be really disciplined and stick to that. So if you choose to have an alternative route, you got to know that the alternative route takes that much more work for you to be successful. So I thought that LaMelo going to Australia was great for the game of Australia. You know, it was great for that country. Um, I heard he either purchased a team or he's, he's in conversations with owning a team out there. And I think that the United States is going to counter that and try to keep our young talented players out of Australia and to keep them here. And that's the situation that you're seeing with the, with the kid potentially going into this newly formed G league team to be able to forego high school. He's not going into the G league. He's going into a newly formed G league team that's playing, I think 12 games exhibition and some rules there. So you'll see guys start doing alternative routes it's not going to be a lot of people that follow. It's only going to be guys that are risk takers that are willing to take the risk. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I totally agree. If, you, if you're gifted and you've got the talents and, and uh, people are willing to sort of pay you some money to, to play professionally and it's in a league that's going to assist you a $500, lot. $500,000. Yeah. 500000 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's five, it's, it's 500,000 reasons why at 17 years old, why you should probably do it. Yeah, agree, agree. Um, I guess moving forward, what does a what does a calendar year typically look like for you? Um, and and obviously now with COVID, uh, the calendar year has changed. But what does a typical calendar year for you look like? Well, the only, the only thing that I've missed so far in this calendar year was the playoffs, basketball. 
So normally I'll be getting my guys ready for the playoffs, uh, my different NBA players flying in the city to city, and I will be getting prepared for the NBA pre-draft. So I will have uh, clients that are with me that I develop that get ready for the draft. And that leads into the summer as the NBA seasons finishes. And then that's when most players are starting to move out to LA, starting to get ready for the training that starts in June. And we train from June to the end of September. So right now we're still on task for the beginning of our summer to start training. And, you know, the rest of our year will just be training all the way to, uh, to September, uh, the end of September, and then I'll start traveling. So when I start traveling, I travel to my players because the players that go from me and LA to their home cities and where they're playing at. And so I just travel throughout the year. I run a lot of high school camps uh, throughout the summer, uh, throughout the year. I do a lot of skill development camps, coaches clinics, uh, virtual coaches clinics, um, all types of um, anything that, that has to do with basketball. I'm doing it year round. Yeah. And for Australia, that's super unfamiliar with a private guy coming into a, to a, a system, you know, a coaching system, a team and, and helping one guy out of, out of the whole team or like a private privatized tuition, I guess you call it. Um, how does, is that commonplace in the NBA? You know, does every guy on the team have someone like you? The smart guys do. I think, I think if, if I'm a professional, I got to have a guy that is focused on my development, like not the team. See the team responsibility is the development of the team. They're going to have some people in place to help you obviously with your game. But when you have your own staff, you have your own uh, personal development coach, that person is focused on you. So everything that you do, he's able to track it and able to watch your performance and you could develop a relationship with him that's away from the team. That's very important. So when things are not going right with the team, you have somebody that you could talk to right away. Is, is that relationship's there. So, you know, I just think it's important. If you can afford it, you have to get somebody that can focus on you, truly you. And then your coach's job is to coach and develop the team as a unit. He's to put you in the best situation, but you got to have your skill set and your training down so that you can be put in many situations. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like moving forward, uh, you mentioned before we started getting on tape that uh, you're looking forward to getting out to Australia. Um, hopefully, getting oh. the game out here as well, man. Uh, do you want to go into that? What your plans are? Yeah, man, I'm super excited about you know uh, partnering with Ben and some things that he's gonna have going over there, his camps and different things like that, and and being able to give back to the game in Australia. I definitely would love to come over and run camps uh, during the year because your summer is our winter. Our winter is your summer. So, you know, in those winter months, I want to come over and develop those Australian players. You know, maybe it's two weeks over there, be able to go over and run a camp in Melbourne, like the bigger cities, and go over and develop those players and develop um, a culture over there that, I can connect with players, male and females, youth, all the way to the pros to be able to work with them. I would be super excited. So the Australian coaches and people that are watching, uh, my information to be there 
please email me, you know, and let's set something up and I'll show you. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just to sign off, uh, where can people reach you? Uh, where can people watch your videos, listen to you, learn from you? Um, yeah, what so are your socials and website? So, so my email is super simple. It's, it's chris at chrisjohnsonhoops, H-O-O-P-S, app, A-P-P dot com. And my socials, Instagram, Chris Johnson Hoops. YouTube, Chris Johnson Hoops. Facebook, Chris Johnson Hoops. LinkedIn, Chris Johnson Hoops. TikTok, Chris Johnson Hoops. Twitter is CJ Hoops because it wouldn't allow me to put my whole name. So every one of my links, my socials, and are out there is all Chris Johnson Hoops. And lastly but least, if you want to connect with my app, it's chrisjohnsonhoops.com backslash app. And if you want to go to my website, it's chrisjohnsonhoops.com. Appreciate, appreciate it, man. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty easy, right? I think people know where to hit you up. So uh, uh, thanks for uh, sharing your knowledge, brother. Thank you, brother. I look forward to joining you again. Let me know. For sure.